Hi. In this episode of Ivy Matters, we talk to John Eversall about his experiences teaching in international schools. We noticed many of our listeners were located in Ivy schools similar to those John worked in, and those listeners might relate to his story. Please add your name to the list of our Twitter followers, at MattersIB, and continue networking with IB teachers and school leaders around the world. Welcome to IB Matters, a podcast for those who currently teach, lead, attend, or are interested in international baccalaureate IB schools. Hi, this is John Peterson with IB Matters, and today we're here with John Eversall. You may have heard John on another podcast about the the Middle Years Program Personal Project, but the purpose of this podcast today is based on the fact that the listeners to IB Matters, this podcast, we've noticed are, are from all over the world. I think at this point we've been heard in over 55 countries, and by the followers of our Twitter feed, which is uh, Matters IB, uh, I'm seeing that we have a lot of folks who are teaching and working in international schools. Obviously, a lot of folks who live and are native to whatever area they are, but a lot of our listeners are also in international schools. And uh, I thought they would enjoy hearing uh, someone else who's had those kinds of experiences and also those that might be considering uh, someday uh going to work in an international school or, or to teach abroad. They might be interested in the story that I know that John has. I know John uh, quite well, and he's uh, been a lot of places and done a lot of things. So I want to say hi, John. Hi, John, and nice way to be uh, internationally minded there, getting all these listeners from around the world here with the podcast. That's what we do. By the way, those of you that haven't done so already, we have an actual sticker that has made its way already to about 20 different countries. So if you want to be the first on your continent or at least the first in your country or city to have an IB Matters podcast sticker, check out our 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 Twitter feed. You'll see down in there there is a way to just fill out a little form, and I will send you a sticker, and you can adorn the back of your computer or your bumper or whatever it is you put stickers on. Uh, so, John, uh, let's get right into just talk about your a uh, little bit about your background. And uh, and then really, I just want to hear you tell our listeners about kind of what the international teaching experience has been for you and your family. Sure. So right now I'm the MYP coordinator at Park Center Senior High School in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Yeah, actually, I, I ended up uh, at Park Center because of the international baccalaureate. So um I'll tell you about my teaching uh, abroad experience in a, in a minute here, but mm-hmm. I was teaching at a nearby elementary school for four years. I was teaching English language learners and noticed that they were putting in an, an IB school at the local high school. And I also have a license in teaching literature. Um, and so I saw that and I thought, hmm, maybe there is a job over there for me someday because... Mm-hmm. I really love um, I love the IB and uh, what it does for for students uh, and teachers. So I applied for a job as a curriculum coach initially, and that ended up uh, turning into my MYP coordinator position. All right. So uh, tell us about some of the experiences you've had. Uh, I think you told me that you actually started your international teaching right out of college. Right. So I got a certificate in teaching English as a foreign language right after college and got a job in the Czech Republic teaching at a Czech public high school. And 
Were you in Prague? or another? No, I was in a town called Liberec, which is about 100 kilometers north of Prague. But okay. this is back when you'd communicate on onion skin paper and hope that the uh, car to pick you up was, was there at the airport um, <laughs> yeah. back, in, back in 1992. And so I taught at this national school for, for two years. Um, it was great. Um, and I thought, heck, this teaching thing is something I might want to get into a little bit more. And so I... Um, Went back to the states and got a master's degree in in ESL at the time, um, and then my wife and I had some friends that that we met through graduate school that had taught overseas, and we said, "Oh, that's, that sounds interesting. You know, how do you how do you go about that?" And they said, "Well, you might want to try the University of Northern Iowa's fair for international school right. teachers," and so we. Drove down to Iowa on a chilly um, February day and interviewed with um, schools that that had positions for us. And we ended up taking jobs in Seoul, South Korea at um, Seoul International School, or SIS, Mm -hmm. uh, a proprietary school that had lots of AP courses, but... No IB ones, and I taught um, middle school students, and I, I taught them. I taught them English as a foreign language. Okay, yeah. all right. So then, where did you go from there? So after that, uh, Mary and I went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. So we taught at the International School of Kuala Lumpur, and we were there for five years. And that was my first introduction to really a school that had kids from everywhere. Mm -hmm. So there were students from 50 countries. In Korea, it was a lot of the students were um, American, but ethnically Korean, and they were coming back with their families to to take care, actually, Mm -hmm. for, for older sons to take care of. So, so was the school in Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur, was that a, an IB school? It was an IB school. So, um, a long time, it was a long time IB school, although they only had the diploma program. And um, I was teaching in the English department, in the English lit department, and one of my colleagues said, well, how about being an extended essay supervisor? And I said, well, if you show me how to do it, I'll, I'll do it. But I remember being a little bit scared because I thought, I knew this was a responsibility to get these kids through this and a lot depended on it um on the results um of the extended essay uh, the extended essay kids had to get through that to um receive their diploma and this is what these students at international schools of course use to get into colleges Mm -hmm. it's a little different so you weren't you weren't yet teaching an ib course your first exposure to ib was actually as a an extended essay supervisor yep that's right all right and then I got thrown right into the fire uh, the next year, and they said, how about teaching um, the HL literature class in the, in the diploma program? And again, I, I worked with my colleagues who were well-experienced in this and um, thought this was fantastic. It was one of those things where I was so impressed by the quality of assessments. So students had to give an oral presentation. They had to write, um, um, what was back then, the um, 
the world lit paper. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to do all of these things. They had to be able to write a commentary. They had to be able to write uh, an essay comparing a few of the works they had studied. They had to do an oral commentary. All of these things so impressed me. And I thought, you know, if if this is what teaching to the test means, then we should absolutely be teaching to the test because these students really had to show their um, their thinking skills and their their skills of of reflection and knowledge and and everything else. So it was um, it was really impressive, mm. and it it raised the game of my teaching too because you you had to be very deliberate about um, what you were what you were doing in your classroom in order to prepare students for these um, for these exams mm-hmm. and assessments. So how long were you in Kuala Lumpur? Uh, for five years. Five years, okay. Yep. And you were married at the time, you said, but, yep. no, but no children. No children, no except children in point. our fourth year there, we had a son, and, um, and so he arrived in, uh, in Malaysia. Okay, all right. So, um, so from that point, um, you had had experiences in three different international schools, each one kind of a different experience, the national school, uh, uh, school in Korea of, of uh, students that are kind of a homogenous group. And then you had a, a group in Kuala Lumpur, a very diverse school and, and an IB school for the first time. Um, where did that take you next? Where did you go? Did you come back to the States at that point? Yep, we did. So we wanted to return to the States to be a little closer to family. But um, I think uh, my wife and I always believed we'd teach overseas again. Um, You know, I I still feel that, you know, 17% of me is still in Malaysia or something Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, many folks who've taught overseas would have similar similar sentiments that... um, once you get the, once you get the bug, it's hard to, yep. to drop it. Yeah, that's been my experience with folks that are teaching abroad, or either you know sometimes described as expats that that just enjoy being out and having those kinds of experiences of of being immersed in other cultures from their original culture. Um, so you were here in the states, and um, at this point, somewhere in here, I, I met you, and you came to work at Park Center. Um, but then um, the bug, and, and you had a, a second child by this time, and, and so you and your wife and your family, your son and daughter, decided to, to do it again. So tell us about that story. Yeah, so as often happens at international schools, once you've been on the circuit, you know principals and heads of school, and um, these folks sometimes um, reach out to you and say, hey, what do you think? We've got jobs for you. And that's what happened with, um, with Vienna, Austria. And so um, a former uh, principal of ours um, offered us jobs in uh, teaching at the um, American International School, Vienna. Um, and as you mentioned, my, my daughter Solve was uh, going into first grade at the time, and our son Soren was going into, uh, into fifth grade. And you know, we thought, what a great experience for our kids, right? It was so formative for So they're about, for six, us. about 6 and 10, roughly, when, they, yep. when you went over. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So young and uh, open to new experiences. Um, and we loved that as a, as a family. You know, I think that certainly at an international school, your life is really um, 
focused on that school. It's the hub of your of your existence in many ways, right? You work there, uh, you you socialize with with the folks there. Your your kids are that that's where all their activities are pretty much and so um you have a lot of time is that little nuclear family together mm-hmm. so that was really uh sure. really wonderful life gets streamlined in a in a positive way so your your wife also had a job at the same school yep. in, both, she, in each case yep okay. she was a, a she's yeah, a teacher so as well you're, you're not only both working the same school but your children go to the same school like you said it, it kind of keeps everything nuclear if you will um, so, um, tell us a little bit about the, the kinds of, you know, what, what is the day-to-day teaching routine? I know, um, I knew you at this time and, you know, we communicated while you were in Vienna and I was here in the States. Um, you, you often, you know, expressed to me some of the interesting comparisons between teaching in, in a, a fairly, you know, so-called prestigious, I guess, um, international school and having been in an American public school, there's some differences. You want to talk a little bit about some of the kind of the, the comparisons or the differences in uh, in the teaching work that you did, what it was like day to day? Yeah, sure. I think I think one of the biggest differences is that you are in a much smaller school typically in an international school. So um, there might be 75 students in a grade, mm-hmm. whereas in the United States there might be 500. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, because of that, you know, you really are able to form much closer relationships with, with students in part because you're seeing them all the time and they're, they're simply fewer students. And you're probably uh, doing some coaching or you are um, uh, heading up one of the, the, the school clubs or organizations. Mm-hmm. And so you get to know students in, in a variety of ways. Sure. By the um, nature of a small staff, you end up wearing more hats. Yeah. That's as exa- often happens in private or charter schools here too. Yep. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Um, you also had much smaller class sizes. So you might have, um, 15 to 20 students in a class, whereas mm-hmm. here it can be 30 to 35. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I would say that the parents there at international schools um, are typically more demanding, right? And maybe that's um, born out of paying a lot of money for their, their kids' education right, or, right. So or just, just being... I know it's you know, not all schools are the same, but can you share with the, approximately what was the tuition? Um, was it 20,000 euros, that type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah right around there. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that, that enters into it, too. I mean, the folks are, are paying uh, significantly for the, for the chance, and they're generally, and that happens here in private schools as well. And as we see, some schools in the, in the U.S. are obviously at that price range and above. Right, right. Um, you know, I think another big difference is that you had much, um, much more prep and planning time at an international school. Um, so y- you really had ample time to work with your colleagues, to uh, write curriculum, uh, plan your courses, do any grading, that sort of thing, or, or mm-hmm. also meeting with, with, with students. And so I think part of the flip there was that even though you had fewer students, you often spent more time with them, you might be meeting about uh, an essay they were writing, or uh, there was time carved out sometimes to do that during the day, and so that was not only um, an expectation, but certainly a big reality, right? Mm-hmm. That that you are 
you're certainly working hard with with those kids you do right. teach. Right. Um, now the Vienna School is also an IB school. That's right. right? And you, what did you teach uh, there at that school? So I taught um, I taught English B, so in the language acquisition department, and then I also taught some uh, ninth grade English Lit and some um, EL classes too. So in each of these experiences, um, I know you do speak uh, you know, some other languages. To what degree did you need to speak the native languages in any of these schools? At these international schools, you're really in this English-speaking bubble, and so you don't need to learn the um, uh, the language that's that's local, spoken to the country. Yeah, that's yeah. really not. But you've taken necessary. it upon yourself. I mean, part of well, the advantage. I mean, I, and it's totally it's the way it ought to be, in my opinion, is that you know if you're going to go into these experiences and and in an international area, it it only makes sense that you would make an effort to learn the local language at least to the degree that you can operate as a as a local. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I always find that to be a little bewildering when folks have been teaching at these schools for 22 years and speak mm-hmm. about 22 words of German or whatever it is. Right. So, no, I think that that was an important part for our family. And, um, you know, at any in any of the countries I've lived in, um, I've tried to learn the, the local language to mm-hmm. the extent that I, I at least could uh, make sure I got yep. uh, good meals and yeah. check out the, the sites. And Yeah, I know my things. experience with you, you're always the go-to person if we need to get, <laughs> what should I be eating and, and what's what's going to be the best thing in this in this area? Hopefully this I haven't led you uh, far astray. No, here. so far so good. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say one, one thing I do want to uh, reflect on, you know, over... Over my experiences at international schools and U.S. Uh, public high schools and, and elementary schools, for that matter, um, you know, I've worked with so many fantastic teachers. Um, and and one of the things that really stands out to me is how fantastic the teachers are at U.S. public schools. And given the conditions they work in, um, 30 kids in a classroom all of that grading, um, very little prep time or collaborative time, and um, what an exceptionally mm-hmm. good job they do. They really are, in my experience, um, trying out the latest and greatest, the coolest things, even even mm-hmm. though those things are, um, they're certainly not... Um, multiple choice bubble sheets. And so, mm-hmm. you know, all of those kinds of activities and experiences, which, um, really stretch kids and right. demand a lot of time. I mean, well, they're not. Thanks for sharing that. that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because you have said that to me from the very beginning, even when we would communicate across the ocean and when you were in, uh, Vienna in particular, but you mentioned the fact that the, you know, thinking you were working with colleagues there, but also thinking of your colleagues back here. And just, you always said from the beginning that, uh, that, there was little or no difference. What would you, um, so let me just, I was going to ask about your, your children. So what did the, what was the international teaching experience? If you're a, a person considering going overseas to teach as you and your wife did with your young family, um, what was the, what were the benefits uh, for the children? What did, what do you think they got out of it? Well, you know, there's that whole piece of international mindedness, right? And, um, I know that Mary and I wanted our kids to have that, um, view of of the world, right? That it's a a, a big, interesting, um, exciting place, mm-hmm. and um, 
So, so there's that and, and all of the travel opportunities you have, um, in addition to just the day-to-day um, adventures in your own, um, in the city you're, you're living in. Um, and then, there, of course, there are the benefits of, of learning another language. Um, our, our son, unfortunately, um, ended up at a school that didn't teach German, so he couldn't continue with that. He had to jump to French, but our daughter was able to continue with German, and even though she's in eighth grade, she's taking high school German classes now, which is which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, so those are big pluses. Um, I also think it helps your kids become adaptable and mm-hmm. uh, flexible uh, and certainly see how other people live. And um, in Vienna, for example... Younger kids take public transportation on their own, and our kids were able to um, to do some of that at times. Just as we kind of wrap things up, would you what would be your um, your pitch, or what would you say? What kind of advice do you have in general as a as a, uh, a wrap up for those thinking of teaching abroad? Do it for sure. Uh, you will not regret it. Is it too late for me, John? No, it's not too late <laughs> okay. for you. It's not too late for anybody. Yeah, I think you'll have a rewarding professional experience and personal experience. I think if you like um, if you like different cultures, if you like the challenge of figuring some stuff out on your own, um, if you like novelty in your life, um, it's absolutely the thing to do. Um, there are great travel opportunities. Um, You'll work with terrific, terrific colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you must make friends from all over the world. I know you've talked about people you know who are all over, and then they come to town, or if you travel, you've got connections in many places. Yeah, and I think I think one unique thing about international schools is that because you're thrown together with that um, with that intensity of, of experience, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're often expats, uh, you know, living together, and so those friendships form quickly and you, you really do have strong bonds. Um, you depend on each other for a lot of things, um, both, uh, you know, in, in, in your classroom and, and all of that, but, um, just for, um, figuring out how, how things work in your, in your, uh, in your new country or city. Um, so you make fast friends. Um, we have lifelong friendships, um, from all of these places even if we've only been there for a few years so Mm -hmm. we're grateful for that that's great well again thank you john i know i knew that uh this was a a part of your life that i thought our listeners might enjoy hearing more about and hopefully they can relate to these stories and maybe even someone will will let me know that they've got some other other takes on it from different perspectives because uh, we're obviously talking about uh person who is from the u.s then traveling abroad from here but that happens in other directions and and other across other cultures so um, thank you so much for your time today john thank you please find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss any future programs follow us on twitter at matters ib also help us spread the word about ib by liking and sharing the ib matters links in your own feeds and social networks In very little time, we have already been heard in over 50 countries, a testament to the global reach of the IB. 